The Swain Event Podcast is brought to you by the Tennessee Department of Transportation. There are over 100 million pieces of litter on our beautiful Tennessee roadways, and TDOT spends $19 million a year picking it up. Join the Nobody Trashes Tennessee movement at nobodytrashestennessee.com. Brought to you by the Tennessee Department of Transportation. Live here at Beatty Chevrolet. 865-255-03 is our telephone number. Hope you are having a wonderful morning. It is five minutes past the top of the hour. Ben McKee, Jason Swain. Ben is back in the Low T Center studio. Our telephone number is 865-255-03. Our number one was brought to you by Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical. And right now, Hiller... Uh, is giving away cash for the holidays. Cash for the holidays. That is right. Hiller is celebrating now until the end of the year with special deals. Hiller wants to make sure that every child experiences the joy of Christmas this year. So Hiller is donating $50 to Toys for Tots with every tankless water heater purchase and giving away a $250 Visa gift card with each unit. You can also get a $500 Visa gift card when you buy select new HVAC systems or a $500 gift card when you purchase a new whole home generator. More specials are available online at Hiller.com. Now it's time for Touchdown Turnover, which is backed by Alcoa 10 Federal Credit Union, a place where you belong, better rates and better service. And the power rankings inside the SEC sits one and two. Bama and Georgia, Georgia, Bama, however you want to uh, put them. But the question is, number three, who was the third best team in this conference after November the 13th? I mean, who is the third team right now that can say that they're the third best team in the SEC? So for touchdown turnover, Ben, are we going to say that Ole Miss, looking at their record, is the SEC's third best team? Touchdown or turnover? I say touchdown. I, I don't want don't want to say touchdown, but I, I don't see how you can't say touchdown because they are eight and two on the season. That that defense is getting better and better every week. Now the A and M offense is nothing to really be terrified of, but it, it did shut down Isaiah Spiller in that running game. And obviously, we know about the Ole Miss offense, and it's taken a small step back of late. But it's it's not because of poor performance; it's because of injury. Matt Corral is really banged up. They've got receivers that are banged up. O line banged up. Uh, that's why the offense has has kind of sputtered here of late. But the defense has has picked up the offense, and to me, that's a sign of a of a good football team. So uh, I say touchdown, Ole Miss third. Yeah, I, I go touchdown too. Now, and then when they was able to get some help uh, outside of Isaiah Spiller, but they did, you know, contain Isaiah Spiller to below fifty yards. Um, good teams find different ways to win, like you just referenced, and that's what Ole Miss did. They found a different way to win, and A and M, you know, they have a Bama win under their belt. Um, they have a I want to say they beat Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Um, as well this year. I mean, that, that A&M team um, has had some, some good wins. And remember, their starting quarterback was was hurt 
for the year. And so they've doing this with uh, Calzada, who's who's been who's been good. But they beat a Auburn team that was um, kind of feeling good about themselves. Uh, shut them down last week. But man, this is this is what Oklahoma and Texas have to look forward to. <laughs> and I hope they're ready. You got an A&M team that went and I know and beat Alabama. And Alabama is second in the country, and then A and M turns around. They 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 you know beat Missouri. They beat Texas A and M, and then they beat Auburn. And Auburn's feeling good. And and then you turn around, you lose to Ole Miss team, and Ole Miss lost to Alabama. Um, it's just it's a gauntlet, man. It is a gauntlet uh, in this conference. So uh, if you want to come to the SEC, be be prepared for that. But for me, man, it's touchdown as well. Um, Ole Miss right now is the third best team in the conference. And I think it's changed the last three weeks, Ben. Yeah. I, I think I, it's changed. I, I think so. My my touchdown or turnover for you is okay. after watching Georgia this weekend, is Georgia legit? Um, They are not as in, infallible as people were talking about them to be leading up to the game. Now, this is what we have to add in there. Georgia had a lot of dudes out because of either injury or sickness. They had a bug going around. And so you have to factor that into it, but they're they're really good. I mean, they're a really good football team. You know, people are trying to compare them to teams that are are, are looked upon as the best football team in college football history. And it's just too early for that. I want to see what they do against an uh, NFL offensive line in Alabama's with multiple NFL wide receivers on the outside and with Bryce Young. Like, I want to see what Georgia does with the Alabama offense. That's what I want to see. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Now, I, I do think that that Georgia defensive front is – as legit as advertised. I, I that is the one part of Georgia's football team I I do not question. And Alabama's offensive line has been inconsistent by Alabama football standards this season. That that Alabama offensive line has been a source of frustration uh, for the offense itself and and for fans as well. So I I do think Georgia would would win that matchup. Georgia's defensive front versus Alabama's offensive front. I think Georgia would win that. But I, I do want to see Bryce Young and, and those receivers and uh, Bama a little banged up at running back. But I, w- I want to see Brian Robinson go up against that Georgia defense as as well. I just – I maintain my thought that I had last week that just – I think college football is just down right now. I I, I, I think it's, mm-hmm. it's easy to get caught up in the week-to-week and, and think that there's just so much – parody right now and there's this team there there's that team but I just I, I I think back to other seasons over the last decade or so and there there were multiple great teams and, and there's just there's just not this year and I do think Georgia's the best team in the country I I would pick Georgia to win the national championship but I I'm with you I, I don't think Georgia's just this this world Beater, and it's more so the the offense for me. I I, I think uh, the right defense can absolutely contain that Georgia offense. Stetson Bennett, he's he's good. You see why he's playing over JT Daniels because of his legs, but I don't think he's a championship level quarterback. That that's just my opinion. That that Georgia offensive line, it's kind of those five or die 
and George Pickens is coming back here soon, but they don't have an elite receiver until he does return. Brock Bowers, the tight end, I, I think he's a freshman phenom. That that kid oh is goodness. different, and, and it wasn't the the catch that he made on the sideline where he was out of bounds. It, it was the, the reverse. It was the reverse. <laughs> the catch was the catch was dang good too. Yes, I mean the catch was dang, but that reverse. Uh, this kid might be a t- the best tight end in the country next year. Yeah, he may be the best tight end in the country already. <laughs> yeah, he he's, I mean, he's he's special. He is special. So I, I I do think Georgia is the the best team in the country, but I I don't think they're as like you said, Swain. I I don't think they're like some of these other past SEC teams that people are trying to compare them to. Yeah, I mean you got a bunch of uh, you know teams. With one loss, and we'll get to that a little bit later, but Georgia and Alabama kind of sits above everybody else, and then you have uh, just a, a hodgepodge of one-loss teams, and we'll, we'll see which one of those two two um, spots, if, if um, you know, Georgia beats Alabama in the national championship, it would be three spots, but if Alabama beats Georgia, it would be two spots. Uh, which, which of those teams with one loss – We'll take those two spots in the college f- football playoff. Let's get let's go back to the phones. Let's get the Turkey Man. Turkey Man, good morning. Good morning, individual. Good morning, sir. Uh, how you doing? Good, good man. Good. How are you? I'm doing good. Doing good. Uh, uh, I was going to ask a couple questions here. Uh, I don't know if you caught it or not, but the announcers are saying that half of, or a lot of the Georgia team was. Some kind of illness, and they was on IVs, sound like, and and didn't know how many get to play. I mean, they were. Uh, I didn't see that many that that I that I'd seen in the past that missed missed playing time. I didn't either, Turkey Man. I I didn't see any key players miss miss playing time. Did you hear that, Ben? Uh, I I did, and I saw people talking about it on social media. I didn't see. I did not see him talking about it, but I just it stood out to me that they was talking right out of the shoot, and I thought that's that's something. Uh, I kind of hear from Bush Jones, but you know the guy was. I'm thinking it sounded bad. It really did. I thought, man, I, I said I'm gonna be right here on this. Uh, what's uh, what's wrong with third down for us? Uh, what's the key to uh, to third down? I was going to ask that question. We're, because we seem like we have a hard time at third down, and we and it's cause it's it's not been just one game; it's a pattern, uh, both offensively and defensively, and uh, also we watch this offense, which is exciting when it's running, but you guys think that there's times that we uh, need to maybe slow it down a little bit. Uh, my, my, my thought process, it's not, this is not the first time. I've seen two or three times that if we had given opportunity uh, to look at a play, I think we should have got a better spot. The officiating doesn't, didn't identify that. I know that. But I'm just saying, you see a place or two that you can, you can speed up without speeding up. Uh, you can hold the defense on the line uh, without mm, speeding up. And I've I seen time or two that the spots were terrible. 
for us, and I don't know if that helps anything or not, but what can be done about the four spots and what can be done about third down. And I'll get out of here and listen to you guys. Have a good good week and talk to you later. Thanks for the phone call, Turkey Man. I think I think a, a, a lot of your answers <laughs> points to recruiting, man, to be honest. I mean, we've been a team that gives up a ton of yards in the middle of the football field. Well, we started the, the, the show talking about where we got to have better play and where Tennessee needs to address recruiting, and that is at the linebacker and safety position. And Tennessee have – has gotten you know decimated on giving up yards across the middle. It happened on Saturday. A couple in routes. Um, I mean, they they crush us. They crush us. So we got to recruit. Got to recruit. And we can we can nitpick on what we didn't do against Georgia. Like, I thought the fourth down call where Hendon rolled out going into the the north end zone, I didn't like the call. Three receivers went out. I didn't like the call at all. Uh, It was an unbalanced line. Uh, No one was was covered. I mean, no one was open. Everyone was covered. And and Hendon, like, threw the ball away. It's fourth down. What are we doing? I didn't like that call. I didn't like the execution. But I know that we're limited. Like, there's only so much we can do. And what we are doing is a whole lot more than what I expected from from this roster. So, with the spots, Turkey Man, I mean, that's something that you have to turn into the SEC and give them examples of how the spots were, were poor and off. But in terms of the third down stuff, you continue continue to coach it. Continue to show guys where they were out of place or they didn't make the play. And then you got to recruit better athletes. As simple as that. Yeah, it's like uh, it's the short yardage third down and fourth downs that that I have been annoyed by this season because it it seems like they run the ball every single third and short, fourth and short. And on one hand, I'm, I'm thinking, Swain, can we have a little more creativity? I mean, I know a run is coming because you've done it all season in these situations. And if I know, then I guarantee you Kirby Smart knows it's coming. But then on the other hand, like I also recognize that Tennessee doesn't have the the offensive line that is going to necessarily win in short yardage situations every single time. They They are getting blown off the ball instead of blowing the opponent off the ball. And those runs in those short yardage situations in which frustrate me because it feels like there there's a, a lack of creativity, I do recognize that, hey, if, if Tennessee's offensive line was blowing people off the ball, then, then they, they pick up the first down. Yeah, I mean, it's just – it's like I – when I look at us on offense and when it feels like we don't have creativity, which I won't I won't say because all I've seen is creativity this year from Josh Hype and company putting up, you know, putting together uh, matchup advantages in Tennessee's favor um, and getting guys open and, and, you know, did it again against Georgia. Uh, Velas Jones, the throw was just a little 
a little too far for him. And so um, I think we do have the creativity, but there's just certain times when, like, it's not about creativity. It's about it's it's third and one, and you got to get from point A to point B, and it's not about tricking the guy in front of you. It's about winning that matchup. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's about that. And I thought on Saturday when we tried to pick up that first down, they were just better than us. And you got to just go recruit better guys to be able to do that. Now, I'm not saying that you run your head into the brick wall every single time, that you don't try to use their their speed and their momentum against them and try to do something else. All I'm saying is you can't rely on scheme, scheming up a third down and one or a trick play. Like At some point, you got to just – Go right through a guy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's kind of why I, I stopped myself from complaining mm-hmm. too much. And, and yep. just to reiterate, I, I am only speaking to a lack of creativity that frustrates me at times in those short yardage situations because I, I obviously don't know the stat off the top of my head, but I imagine if we went back and tallied all the, the short yardage situations on third or fourth down this season, I, I mean, I bet a high percentage – would would be run place, and I, I'm with you. At some point, if, if you're a lineman, you just got to blow somebody off the ball and, and and help the running back or, or Hendon pick up that, that first down. But but I also kind of think, well, you, you know that you can't really trust your guys up front in, in these situations. Maybe there does need to be an added element in those short yardage situations even though it is very frustrating that you can't just line up and get a hat on a hat and, and move somebody off the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I understand, I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're it's saying. It's just a double-edged sword really- and understanding, in my opinion, how to criticize and, and just not taking it too far. Um, yeah. Because I was with you. Like I, I didn't like the, the rollout and having a quarterback who was already having a bad game throw across his body I, I I didn't like that like like you mentioned uh, but in, in the short yardage situations I mean a guy at the end of the day has to be able to push somebody move somebody off the ball no I'm I'm, I'm with you I'm with you 100% my friend and you know there's there's sometimes when like the, the 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 criticism is fair when it's not just it's not it's not personnel Issue is, hey, man, the coach got to call something better. And there's times when, like, all right, man, you just – the coach called something really good and the players just didn't execute it. And there's sometimes when, like, all right, coach called something great, the players executed it, but they're just not good enough. <laughs> like, there's also those times, too. They're just not good enough. And it's and it's, it's so hard to swallow that pill sometimes. It really is. It really is hard to swallow that pill. But that's where we are right now. I mean, that is truly where we are right now. And the Alabama game and the Georgia game were the two games where you truly felt that way. Because all the other games, Tennessee was still able to piece together the roster to the, to the point where you were still able to compete and have a chance to win in the fourth quarter. Like Ole Miss, Pittsburgh. I mean, 
the personnel is better. But this staff was able to piece together what we had, put together a game plan, and still give us a chance to win in the fourth quarter. So you have those examples. When you're playing against teams like Alabama and Georgia, you're going to need more just to, just than just piecing together a good game plan with the roster that you inherited or that you currently have. You have to go get better guys, too. And Alabama and Georgia just exposed us more than Ole Miss and Pittsburgh and some of the other teams. So, I'm with you, Ben. I didn't like every call, but I understand how some of the calls look bad because, I mean, golly, what, what can you call when you don't <laughs> – you're getting blown off the football. So that's why I'm not, like, entirely upset. I just know what we have to do, and I'm encouraged that we have the people in place to go out and do it and fix it. I'll be very – frustrated this morning if we had some bums leading our football program. I really would. Like, I'll be focused. I would not focused. I would be very frustrated because there would, no, there would not be an end in sight. There would not be any light at the end of the tunnel. And I felt like that, you know, the last three years. I was like, man, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do, man. I don't know. Because I saw us going out and recruiting high-level guys. And then – not coaching them up. And I saw the culture being a problem within the coaching staff. And that was a big concern. And the players saw the coaches going to each other's necks. All right, let's go back to the phones. We've got Brian from Macon, who was our Georgia fan, who called in last week. All right. Hey, Brian, good morning, man. Hey, how are you guys doing? Good, man. How are you? Doing well, doing well. I wanted to congratulate you guys on uh, on a great game, uh, winning the first quarter there and being the, the first team to score more than 14 points against our defense. But uh, definitely uh, you guys come out and hit us right in the mouth right off the bat. And I uh, thought you guys had a good game plan. Uh, but, but, Swain, I think you hit it that uh, our depth, just uh, overpowered you guys and uh, and ultimately won out. I disagree with one of your callers earlier, and I wanted to point it out. He said that you guys needed uh, more talent uh, or more depth, that you had talent, that you had needed more depth. But those two things go hand in hand, and I'll explain to you why. Our defense has 16 different players that have a sack you're not going to see another defense in college football that has that many players have, have, have gotten a sack in a game. And so that just speaks that talent and depth go hand in hand. When you put – it doesn't matter who you put out there on the field, they can get the job done, and I think you guys saw that on Saturday. But uh, when you talk about Florida, that you got to meet, you got to beat Florida, you're going to beat Florida next year because that, put that, that program is in the toilet. Uh, <laughs> You're going to pick up some good players this year, whether in the transfer portal or through recruiting, and uh, you guys are going to be ahead of Florida next year, mark my words. So y'all have a great day. Appreciate the, the time, and uh, I love listening to your show. Hey, thank you, man. That means a lot. That means a lot. Thank you so much. Ben, why, you, why were you squirming over there, man? You didn't like the compliments? No, the backhanded <laughs> compliment. I mean, I, it's not wrong, but I don't I – don't, 
Like, I thanks, but shut up. <laughs> hey, Brian's being genuine, though. He is. I mean, yeah. he, you know, he's not he's not being, you know, a, a smart aleck. But it just it, it don't feel good coming no. from you know a Georgia fan, even though like it's it's true. You still don't want to hear from a Georgia fan, especially on a Monday coming off, you know, the game on Saturday. But I do appreciate Brian. I think it says a lot about our show that um, our show spends a lot of time talking about Tennessee, and he listens to the show. And I'm sure there's a lot of Georgia shows that he could be listening to this morning. So I I do appreciate his call, and it does you know speak for our show and the culture that we have and you know our callers calling in and making it fun so that's a that's a that's a really awesome thing that he called in and shared that with us and um you know I did have in in my notes before the game and you know there might be a new player to get a sack but you know before before the game it was 15 guys going into this game 15 different guys with a with a sack going into the Georgia game 28 sacks on Georgia's team and 15 different guys. N'Kobe Dean uh, had five on the season heading into the game. So, yeah, this defense this defense is legit. This defense is real. 154 cur- uh, quarterback hurries this year, and hurries force you to make quick decisions, quicker decisions that you want. It makes you throw the ball uh, high. It makes you throw the ball low. Um Curry sometimes can be just as deadly as a sack. It really can be. And Georgia's really good at that. So there are levels. Florida is the, the next team that we have to, to, to beat and out-recruit. And obviously you want to get there where Alabama and Georgia is, but to expect that next year, I just think that's unrealistic. To, But Florida's not. Florida's not. And I agree with um, – Brian, I think I think Tennessee can pass Florida up next year. I really do. I really do. Tennessee may already be past Florida, and I know well, you got to beat them to pass. I, them. I understand it won't be. You got to beat them. I, I'm I understand that. I, I agree too. I'm just speaking like when you look at the two programs on paper, Tennessee may already be past Florida. Now they have to go out there and prove it on the field. Yeah, got to beat them. Got to beat them. That's 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 the thing you got to do. Gotta go beat them. 865-255-03. Be right back. I'm Vince Moore, wide receiver, BFL 1991, and you're listening to the Swain Event. When you start your own business, you know that branding can make or break a new venture. That's why Swain Event relies on 42nd Street. 42nd Street is a strategy agency focused on finding creative, open-minded, results-driven solutions to brand design. After over a decade of operations in East Tennessee, the brand architects at 42nd Street have the experience and creative know-how to ensure the success of your business branding, logo, web presence, and more. To see a real-life example of their amazing work, you can check out our website at swainevent.com. Don't trust the branding of your business to just anyone. Check out my friends at 42nd Street online at 42st.com or give them a call at 865-382-7007. 42nd Street, brand, strategy, design. Fellas, 
When it's time to freshen up that wardrobe, there's only one play to make, and that's to go see my friends at Mark Nelson Denim in downtown Knoxville. Find the latest in small batch denim in the heart of Knoxville. Denim isn't all they do, though. Mark Nelson also does custom suiting and blazers. Let your personal style shine with Mark Nelson. If you don't have time to go shopping for yourself but still want that fresh look, then sign up for the NN Society. Let the experts handle the shopping and get $300 worth of merchandise for just $150 every other month. That's six times per year to keep you looking styling every day. Let Mark Nelson Denim help you be the best you. Because when you look good, you feel good. Go to MarkNelsonDenim.com. At Iris Networks, we know that business communication solutions are critical to your success. Since 1998, we've been helping businesses in East Tennessee by providing reliable and affordable high-speed fiber internet and voice solutions. That's why Iris Networks is your Tennessee communications partner. With internet speeds up to 100 gigs and work-from-anywhere solutions like mobile apps, video conferencing, and file sharing, we make sure you can stay connected to your customers and great communities we live and work in. Iris Networks, because just like you, Tennessee is our home. Out-of-town law firms have been swarming into East Tennessee lately. Firms from Memphis, Chattanooga, and Birmingham have stormed into the area. Wouldn't you rather do business with a local law firm? You know, a true neighbor. Marcos Garza and the pros at the Garza Law Firm are just that. They are our neighbors and friends that support local causes year-round. The Garza Law Firm works to serve you professionally on criminal matters, injuries and accident matters, and Social Security and disability filings. The Garza Law Firm is here for you at GarzaLaw.com. The Garza Law Firm, let us help. We're here with Dr. Michael Carlson of Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine to discuss PRP, platelet-rich plasma. If you have orthopedic injuries such as shoulder pain, knee pain, Achilles tendonitis, or tennis elbow, you should give them a call. Good to be back, Jason. We specialize in non-surgical orthopedics, so we treat damaged tendons, ligaments, and joints, including rotator cuff injuries, knee injuries, and elbow and foot problems by using ultrasound-guided injections with PRP. And this form of treatment helps stimulate the body's own reparative process and assist in the healing of damaged tissue. Doc, what makes your training different than others? I've been practicing in Knoxville for over 26 years, and I'm certified in interventional regenerative orthopedic medicine through the American Academy of Orthopedic Medicine. They've been the leader in this form of treatment since 1983. I also teach this form of treatment on a national and international basis to other physicians, residents, and medical students. Here in our clinic, I'm the one doing the procedure, and we're using your own PRP, which are concentrated platelets, to treat your injury. So in other words, Jason, it comes from you and it goes back to you. So you know exactly what you're getting and know exactly the level of training involved. Do what the pros, college athletes, and I have done and visit them online at trsportsmedicine.com. Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine, East Tennessee's leader in PRP therapy. Yo. It's Red Plastic Cop with some big news for you movie-making, content-creating video superstars. Show your mad skills. And create a video of why it's so important to keep Tennessee litter-free. It's the TSSAA No Trash November Student Video Contest. Sponsored by Nobody Trashes Tennessee. Go to nobodytrashestennessee.com slash TSSAA for details. High school and middle school students can submit their video and receive scholarships and prizes provided by TSSAA. Word, peace out. Is that still a thing? Am I being too cool for the school kids? Just asking. Sweet. 
Swain Event, SwainEvent.com, fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America, 865-255-03. Ben McKee, Jason Swain, taking you all the way to 10 a.m. Thanks for making the Swain Event part of your morning. We'll take calls from Gator fan, Bulldog fans, whatever. We'll do it. It was weird, though. I ain't going to lie, Ben. You're right. It was weird getting compliment from Georgia fan, but man, Brian uh, has been great in his phone calls as of late. Let's get to around the SEC, Ben. What do you have for us? Yeah, taking a look back at the weekend, Alabama took care of business against New Mexico State, 59-3. We mentioned the Florida score earlier. Florida barely beat Sanford, 70-52, and that was a game in which Sanford Sanford led for a, a very long time. I, I'd say probably half the game or three-fourths of the game. It, it took until the third quarter for Florida to, quote, grab control of that game. Uh, Sanford led 21-14 after the first quarter uh, and then was up 42-35 to uh, at the half, and then Florida – Outscored Sanford 21 to nothing in the third quarter to take a 56 to 42 lead. Up two touchdowns going into the fourth quarter was Florida, uh, but Sanford scored a, a touchdown and then kicked a field goal to make it 56 to 52. And then Florida scored two touchdowns to end the game with a 70 to 52 win. Just a, a really embarrassing day for Dan Mullen and Florida. The game of the day was at Auburn, where Mississippi State stormed all the way back. They were down 28-3, to and Auburn blew that lead. Mississippi State comes back and won 43-34. Will Rogers, the Mississippi State quarterback, was incredible. 415 yards and six touchdowns, just what a game. 44-55, Auburn blows a pretty significant lead there, Swain. Yeah, they lose Bo Nix, too. Mm-hmm, for which, the year. Yeah, that's that, that's that's terrible. I know how much he means that to that football team. And um, not only do you give up that big lead in a Division West game, you lose your quarterback for the season. And, you know, Auburn is one of those teams that, their 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 quarterback, you know, depth is not like super terrible from one to two. You know, you have a former starter in T.J. Finley who's who's capable of going out there and 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 running the offense. Now I don't think he's going to do anything against Alabama. Uh, we got to have defensive help, special teams help to go out there and beat Alabama. I don't think Auburn's going to do that even even with Bo Nix, but. T.J. Finley is a nice backup option with now the injury to Bo Nick. So that's that's a the thing that that stinks. You gave up the big time league and then you lose you lose your quarterback. But how about how about Mike Leach? I mean, how about Mike Leach? I mean, that football team this season taking Will Rogers over the last couple of years and developing him into one of the best quarterbacks in this league. Uh, but Mississippi State, 
right now six and four uh, with a chance to man to be eight and four in the regular season. They play Ole Miss uh, in the end of the year showdown, the Egg Bowl. But man, they got TSU this weekend, and then they play Ole Miss on the twenty fifth. But they got a chance to they got a chance to win nine games this season, man. So I know the Mississippi State fans uh, are happy. They should be happy because that's a big time win for their program over Auburn. They've done it against Texas A&M, uh, who was ranked 15th at the time, and they did it this past weekend uh, against Auburn, who was ranked 17th, and did it against Kentucky, who was ranked 12th. So, man, they have beaten three ranked opponents this season. So, kudos to uh, Mike Leach. Yes, Mike Leach is is having a heck of a year. Uh, everybody thought Shane Beamer was having a heck of a year until South Carolina went out to Missouri over the weekend and lost to Missouri 31-28. to Tyler Beatty continues to have an incredible season, had 209 yards and a touchdown on 34 carries. So South Carolina loses to Missouri. Kentucky handled business against Vanderbilt 34-17. to Ole Miss beat A&M 29-19. And then Arkansas, number 25 Arkansas, beat LSU 16-13 in overtime. I just thought, I thought, I thought South Carolina was, was going to be able to, to run the football against Missouri and beat Missouri. But my goodness, man. My goodness. How do you beat Florida the way you did. I'm not saying Florida is a great team right now, but the domination that you played with against Florida then come back and turn around and not be able to run the football against a Missouri that is not a great running defense. Ah, boy, just a weird college football year. Weird college football year. Mm, mm, mm. Now, with Kentucky beating Vanderbilt and Tennessee losing to Georgia, that does settle second and third in the East. Kentucky is going to finish second in the SEC East, and Tennessee is going to finish third. And quite frankly, that's okay this year in my book because Tennessee won the head-to-head with Kentucky, and Tennessee was picked to finish fifth in the East, and they finished third. So I, I'm I'm referencing finishing third in the SEC East and and I guess behind Kentucky. I'm I'm cool with it this year because you won the head to head and you and you exceeded expectations. Yeah, I mean Kentucky right now is five and three in the conference, and their their win against Florida, um, something that we were unable to do. They did beat different. LSU. Hmm. That was the difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They beat. I mean, they beat Florida, and um, you know, Florida's last good game was against us, of course. <laughs> and then they and then they went downhill, and part the, the first, I guess, the first move on the downward trajectory was against against Kentucky, and uh, Kentucky was able to beat them. And then since then, man, Florida has has went to the toilet, um, but Kentucky played LSU and, and beat them. Um, so those two wins right there, that's the difference. That's the difference. You know, Tennessee was able to beat down South Carolina more than Kentucky. 
Tennessee was able to beat down Missouri more than Kentucky, but Kentucky did something that we were unable to do, and that's beat Florida. So, yes, uh, they'll be number two in, in the East, but they still don't have any bragging rights. No. That, and that's why that. I'm saying, like, I'm – it's like whatever to me. Like, it, it doesn't bother me that Tennessee finished third and Kentucky finished second because Tennessee exceeded expectations and beat Kentucky, won the head-to-head. So, Kentucky fans can't say anything. They really can't. And, and then Not- Daddy Barnes is going to come to town. He's going to unleash Kennedy Chandler and smack him around in the face. Yeah, I mean, like, even if Kentucky fans would try to pull that, well, we finished second and you finished They already are. Us. Well – we we crushed your dreams. Don't make don't make us pull up the audio where you guys were legit sad and crushed after losing to Tennessee. Tennessee crushed some of your big time bowl game aspirations. You just trying to make you make yourself feel better. By the finish. No one cares about the the finish in the SEC division standings. Who cares? It's about getting to Atlanta in head-to-head matchups and going to good bowl games if you don't get a chance to play in a championship. But Kentucky can't go to that awesome, awesome New Year's Six Bowl, possibly because of Tennessee. Ruining your hopes in dreams, once again, you had your best season, one of your best seasons in program history, and you still can't beat Tennessee. This is twice. So you're finishing the standings. They don't matter. They don't hold weight to the head-to-head at all. It does not. But whatever, make, you feel, make yourself feel better. Whatever you have to do, make yourself feel better. That's, you do that. That's, that's what they are going to do. Let's get to KP on the Iris Network's hotline. KP, good morning. Good morning, guys. Can y'all hear me okay? Yes, sir. Hey, uh, I was at the game on a Saturday uh, afternoon and night. It was a good game, obviously. But uh, I went back home. When I got back home, I uh, wanted to rewatch some of it. And Danielson, good old Danielson on CBS, said that Peyton Manning was having a conversation with Kirby before the game and that Kirby was trying to – or Peyton was trying to get Kirby to recruit his son. Y'all know if there's any truth to that, and if there is, uh, I'm going to throw up in my mouth. You know what I mean? It's like, come on, guys. Surely that's not the case, right? I think it was a bad joke on Gary Danielson's part, just like his little jab about Tennessee fans not throwing stuff on the field. Okay. I wasn't sure, like I said, because I was at the game, so I didn't know if y'all heard anything about that. Um, hey, my next question, though, if I could ask one more question. When when Peyton went out, do y'all think that affected our offense a lot? Because I feel like yes. he's a big part of that, and it kind of got us out of rhythm. What do y'all say about heck, that? Heck, yeah, heck, yeah, heck, yeah. I mean, he, he, he's a big play threat, and there's a reason why he's starting. There's a reason why Tillman and Valus are starting, and anytime you have one of those guys go out, um, you're putting someone in that, that you don't feel is one of your top three. So, Absolutely. Um, there's a drop-off between Peyton and number four. This, it simply is. So hopefully he's okay because I know that he has, you know, two more games left, bowl game, and more opportunities to make impressions so he can play at the next level. So hopefully he's able to do that. But, oh, yeah, there was a huge drop-off. And when that stuff happens in the course of a football game, 
Like, emotionally, you have to try to get over that. Like, Henry Hooker, that Tillman and, and, and Peyton, man, he trusts. He trusts so, so much. Not saying he don't trust Valus as well, but there's, there's a trust level between those guys. And then when you lose a player like that, you have to replace him with someone that you don't trust as much. And we saw the difference. I mean, that pass that Hendon threw to Ramel Keaton, like Hendon threw that high to let Keaton run under it. I mean, that – like, Peyton catches that ball. Peyton makes that play. Without a doubt. So – yeah, I, th- I thought I thought that injury was was big, especially happening early in the football game. That was one of the biggest storylines within the game, in my opinion. One one of the biggest games within the games, so to speak. And uh, sorry if I repeat anything you just said. I was answering the phone, but there's there's just a, a significant drop off from Ramel Keaton Swain or to Ramel Keaton. I mean, it just is what it is, and uh, it. it it doesn't go directly to Jalen Hyatt as being the fourth receiver or even Walker Merrill because those two guys are slot guys and Javante Payton plays on the outside. So that's why Vermel Keaton's number was called and it was just a, a significant drop off. I mean, there, there's the deep ball that Keaton and Hooker couldn't uh, connect on. And in my opinion, it was because Vermel Keaton was sitting there turn back looking for the ball for 40 yards and not getting downfield. And to me, that was the difference in, in Hooker, quote, overthrowing him. There were slants he caught over the middle of the field in which it looked like he was running in cement, uh, was slow as molasses, and it, it was just not great. It, it was there, – there were plays that Peyton would have made and not only would have made, but if they would have been made by Keaton, Peyton probably takes – at least there's a slant over the middle of the field that I'm thinking, well, if, if that's – You mean the screen pass? Maybe so. They're, they're, they're like two plays where I'm thinking, well, that, that's a huge gain if not a touchdown with Peyton in there. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a drop-off, man. I mean, he's, Keaton's just not – he's just not fast and, um, you know, not quick. I mean, he's, he's – he's, he is in the rotation at that current position for for a reason. So, uh, you know, I thought Hendon laid the ball up really high to give the receiver a chance to go get it. And I thought Romel looked too soon, looked too long, and was un- unable to, to catch up with it. But, he, you know, he didn't drop any passes. He caught them. He just didn't give you much after the catch. Um, but that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's who he is, and that's okay. Like, he caught the ball. He filled in, you know, it wasn't a negative play. We just got to go out there and continue to recruit explosive players on the outside. Uh, Jay Holt asked if Beckwith was hurt or is he just not good enough to get on the field. I, he's he's not good enough to get on the field. As simple as that. Um, Vaughville thought Keaton played well. Yeah, I thought Keaton played solid. I thought he played solid. Don't, I didn't think he played great. Didn't think he played bad. I just thought he was. I thought he was solid. I thought he was solid. Uh, MT Brow 08 says Kirby repeated that Peyton asked him to recruit his son in his press conference. 
Uh, Count says Kirby himself said after the game that Peyton told him to recruit his son. Ugh. Yeah, that's what uh, Brian called back in and informed me of when I was answering the phone, and I'm sure people get all mad at Peyton for that. But y'all do realize that that it could also be Kirby taking a shot at Tennessee like he did yeah. at other times in his post-game press conference. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, I, just, I just don't have anything for you on that one. Uh, Russ says if a bowl has to pick between the Vols and Kentucky, they will pick UT every time for the revenue difference. And Kentucky has been shafted by Tennessee before <laughs> in a bowl game. Like Kentucky thought they were going to one bowl, and because Tennessee pushed and you know flexed its muscle, we was able to go to where the bowl we wanted to go, and then Kentucky had to change their bowl destination. So, yeah, Russ, we've seen that happen before. I won't be surprised if it happens again. The thing is, like the the record is like Tennessee's going to be seven and five, and Kentucky should be what nine and three. Well, yes. Nine and three, so we'll mm-hmm. we'll see, man. That's, that's two wins right there, two win difference. We we'll see what happens, but Tennessee will go go to a, I think a good bowl game because of our fans. I really do believe that, and I'm sorry, I don't want to play Texas. I don't want to play Texas in any bowl. I don't care about the UT storyline. I don't want to play that program. I do. Give us a dub. Ugh. Give me Texas. Give me Clemson. I'd love Tennessee to play either of those two teams right now. Hey, give us Florida again in a bowl game. <laughs> I, I think there's better teams that we can also beat, too, with with a you know month to prepare. But I feel you. Give me I Clemson feel, or Texas, please, on a, I, on a silver platter. I understand. Listen, I've had that same – point that same viewpoint man but hey just give me the win i don't it don't have to you know be a win that makes you feel good against a better opponent especially when we talked about non-conference games i get it i understand i I understand i see where you're coming from i truly do 865-255-03 uh vol grizz cubs says does hyatt fill in peyton spot next year well i mean there's a couple different things we have to think about here with uh, Jalen Hyatt. Number one, um, he started the season playing, not playing so much. Him and Callaway, Holiday, those those are younger guys that have not played, I'm sure, as much as they wanted to play. So you always got to keep a look on guy, out on uh, guys like that. And uh, if the transfer portal is something they may explore, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Second, you know, Valus is going to be gone, and Javante Payton is going to be gone. So there's going to be two spots for Hyatt. And where does Hyatt fit best? Is it in a slot or is it on the outside? I think Hyatt this offseason is very important for him. Uh, it doesn't matter what color jersey he has on, whether it's Tennessee or somewhere else. He got to get stronger. He has to make a commitment to the weight room. He has to make a commitment to uh, his, his footwork and getting quick. Uh, he got some work to do. Like, he seriously got some work to do. So, um, if you play in a slot, that's going to be better for for him because he won't have guys pressing him up. 
But at the same time, there's a type of mentality and physicality you got to have to play in the slot because you're dealing with linebackers and safeties, and you're going to get hit more inside there. Um, and you got to be quick, you know. So that's why I think the foot quickness is something that he needs to improve uh, from you know this year to next. And then on the outside, um, you're going to be subject to more jams. You know, Javante Payton shared with us early in the season that you know, when he caught the touchdown pass against Missouri, he had some things to say to him because of Missouri DB, the play or two before, had jumped him at the at the snap of the football. I think they were playing like cover two and jumped Javante Payton on the snap of the football and kind of choked Javante out a little bit. And Javante was mad about it. And when he scored that touchdown, that's why he got up and, and kind of talked bad to the to the DB. Well, if you play on the outside, you're going to you're going to face more jam and press coverage. And guys like Cedric Tillman can can deal with it. He can handle it uh, because he's physical and he has an array of moves because he has quick feet. So that's that's my thought process when discussing Jalen Hyatt. Riley Vall is right. Slow feet don't eat. Gotta have gotta have them quick feet, man. Gotta have them quick feet. So gotta get strong. Gotta get stronger. Gotta get quicker. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Cam is calling in Florida. Cam is on the line with us. Cam, good morning. Good morning. How's it going, guys? Man, good. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, one thing I was wanting to call in and talk about, I was thinking, um, look, with this coaching staff, this this will be the first season, in, you know, in, in my opinion, that I don't really feel like there should be a change on any of the staff. I, I mean, maybe if somebody – and it doesn't seem like anybody's really unhappy being here either. So I think that will be something that helps with the continuity of having the same, you know, guys. And outside of, you know, Rodney Gardner, we don't have any, like, superstar names on this staff. But uh, I'm just excited. I hope that everybody that's here stays here. I mean, I, I, I hope – so too, I mean, because you don't want to have to worry about buyouts. I mean, especially if you have to like let go of a coach because you don't think he's the right fit. I mean, there's a couple coaches that they're in their first year coaching with the nucleus of Josh Heupel coaches. Most of these guys Heupel had with him in Central Florida, so you you knew what to expect when you brought them in with you. Uh, there's some other guys that this is their first year, so. Um, I don't think by looking at this season that any of those new coaches should be um, on the way out unless they go out and get another job. Then Tennessee don't have to pay. I just I don't want to be in the buyout market anymore uh, with assistant coaches. You're already doing that with several. Um, so I'm with you on that, man. Shouldn't have to do that. I think we have a nice nucleus um, of coaches that have done a pretty good job this year. So or a, pretty, a really good job this year. Um, so, I'm with you. Yeah, and then, uh, oh, sorry. Uh, the, the thing with the receivers is, you know, they it seemed like they tried to play a lot of guys early in the season, and they went with with Javante and Valus and and Cedric. And uh, from you know watching what they did at UCF, I don't think that's typically what they want to do. They want to have a lot of uh, different receivers, and uh, yeah, I mean. Jimmy, uh, for Mel Keaton, 
he, he had a little bit more production. He obviously has a lot to work on, but I'm just excited to see, you know, the jump between uh, this year to next year with the guys that do stay. For sure. No, for sure. And I think Tennessee's, Tennessee will have to get into the transfer portal um, in a big way at wide receiver. You you you, you got to replace um, the explosion from Javante Payton. You got to be able to replace um, that quickness and acceleration from Bayless Jones. You got to do it. You have to do it. We got some solid pieces, but if Peyton Jones leaves, and then you have Tillman, who if I'm Tillman, I explore the NFL and see what they say. Uh, I think I think Tillman still has a lot to work on uh, to put himself in the best position to make some 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 money on the front end. But he is playing lights out right now. He's playing lights out right now, and maybe if you're Tillman. What you do is contingent on what Hannah Hooker does. So I'm keeping an eye on, on those developments between those two players because both of those guys back would be so great for the future of this wide receiver room to bridge that gap. Hour three of the Swain event is around the corner. Hour two is in the books. We'll be right back. Swain event fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Live at Beatty Chevrolet, Parkside Drive. You can have Steve Sarkeesian. You can have that. You can have the damn Mullins. But college football is changing, folks. Hope y'all see it. It is changing. And you better have someone leading your program that your players respect. 865-255-03. Beta Chevrolet will trade for anything. They will buy your vehicle. Over 150 vehicles in stock at Beta Chevrolet. Home of the warranty for life, BetaChevrolet.com. Our one is in the books. Our number one was brought to you by Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical. HappyHiller.com. Stay with us. <laughs> 